Hey listeners, welcome to 10x Growth Strategies podcast. This is your host Preeti Padmanabhan, technology executive, investor and board member. Today, we will feature the book Unremarkable to Extraordinary and welcome the author Jeremy Ryan Slate to our podcast. Jeremy is an entrepreneur, media expert, author and CEO and founder of Command Your Brand. He studied literature at Oxford University and is a former champion powerlifter. We'll hear more about that. He helps visionary founders to impact the world and better mankind through podcasting and new media to create trust and opinion leader status. It's a pleasure to have you on this show. Thank you, Jeremy, for joining us and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm stoked to be here chatting. Have a good time today. Absolutely. So I read about how you overcame tough challenges and adversity in your life. Tell us about some of the key inflection points in your life and how it helped shape who you are today. You know, it's it's interesting because um, by background, I, my, my plan was to be a college professor. Um, I have my master's in early Roman Empire propaganda. It's not like a very applicable skill, like people aren't lining up to go out and get that job. Um, but my, my goal was to be a college professor. And I applied to one school, which is NYU. I didn't get into that university for their PhD program. And so because of that, I was kind of like left figuring out like, what do you do with your life? And for a year, I actually worked for a house painter during the day and I, I worked at the gym at night. So I was working like 16, 17 hour days and trying to find a place to eat in between. So it, that was kind of a first inflection point for me was figuring out like, okay, this, this dream has changed. Where is it going? You know, what's happening with it? And the, the weird thing to me is I didn't fight very hard for the dream, right? Like if I had really wanted to be a college professor, like I should have applied to 10 PhD programs, not just one, right? So that was the first thing. In 2012, I, I was teaching high school at that point in time. I was in my first year and my mom had a really bad stroke. And it made me look at a lot of the different things I was doing in my life. And I'm, I'm realizing, is what I'm doing now going to make the impact I want to make? And when I looked at that, the answer was no. So I had to figure out, like, what does that even look like? And I didn't know what entrepreneurship was. I didn't know what building a business was. So I went through all of these different things. It was um, network marketing, which I didn't know what that was, by the way. So I thought it was actually like getting a job. Mm-hmm. It was that. It was selling life insurance. It was selling products on Amazon. I actually went to China and learned how to source products and, and sell them online and everything like that. And all these different businesses didn't take off. So I started a podcast in 2015, and that was kind of the inflection point that changed everything. And this podcast was called The Create Your Own Life Show, and I got a chance to, to really talk to a lot of amazing people. And um, our current business and everything came out of it. And it, it's interesting because I've never looked at it through the perspective of inflection points. So I appreciate you asking that because there's several major ones, like you know, not choosing to do more PhD programs. Um, figuring out, do I want to continue this career? Starting a, a podcast, which you're kind of like, is that really going to be a business? And, and here it is. So it's it's interesting kind of how we've gotten here. Thank you for sharing that and, and for being vulnerable. Uh, I think our listeners really enjoy it when they hear that open feedback and, and especially talking about failures and how it has shaped our life. Mm-hmm. And uh, so really appreciate that. And um, when did you actually go to Oxford, I saw that uh, that yeah. was part of your journey. So 2009, I studied in Oxford. And here, here's the interesting it, it thing. Um, that was, the I think, the hottest summer on record in the UK, by the way. And they don't like do air conditioning. So that was 
it was a great experience. Um, I studied uh, Catholic literature. So I did um, G.K. Chesterton, C.S. Lewis, Tolkien, a lot of things like that. And I actually became really good friends with a gentleman named Walter Hooper, who actually runs the estate of, uh, of C.S. Lewis. So I got a chance to go to Lewis's house and, and things like that. And so I studied there in, in 2009. And it was their hottest summer on record. And I, I had also at the same time, I had a great opportunity to, to meet a lot of, you know, really incredible people. That's fantastic. I actually was there just this summer and oh, cool. it, it got pretty hot. But I, I think, you know, it, I did go to Oxford and, and looked around and as a tourist. Was, it, <laughs> was, there a per- study. was there a particular college you went to? Because like I spent a lot of time at New College and Maudlin College and and things like that. Was there a particular school you went to? Or you just kind of checked them all out. I was, well, I was just looking around the engineering side. Uh, my mm. son is seventeen, so. Oh, cool. Um, and so we are going out checking colleges. Uh, and for me, I personally think getting international exposure is always great. Yeah. Uh, so I was just checking it out and uh, and having some fun, right? But I really enjoyed the campus. Looked beautiful. I can appreciate that though. Like, you know, like having like international exposure and what that does for you. Cause like, I don't want to sound like a jerk, but I feel like sometimes as Americans, we can have very like closed off viewpoints, right? Cause we experience our local community and things like that, which is good. You know, like you want to have that, but like, to me, like I've been to China, I've been to Peru, I've been to um, Greece, Italy, uh, Germany. Like I've been, there's I've been to so many countries I've been to and I feel like because of that, I understand the people in the world and things better, right? So you can connect with people better too, you know? Absolutely. Well, let's talk about your book. I'm really excited to hear about your book, Unremarkable to Extraordinary. Um, and I see that it's detailing life lessons from former CIA directors, Super Bowl champions, Hall of Fame athletes, and even a four-time Indy 500 winner, right? Tell us, why did you write the book and how did you go about it? writing the book. So here's the thing that's interesting. And, and I, I don't know if you've seen this with like other authors you've talked to, but like when I started the podcast, it was really because I wanted to write a book. But at the time, it's kind of like, you know, what story do I write? How important am I? And, and, you know, I wasn't really that much. So I didn't have a ton of life experience. You know, I was, I think, 26 at the time. I'm, I'm really trying to figure out how old I was at that time. About 26, probably. I'm in my mid 30s now. So like, at that point in time, I didn't think I was really set up in a way to do that, but there's always a plan to do that. And it's been seven, almost eight years since we started the podcast. And I always found myself saying I wasn't ready, right? Timing wasn't right. It isn't the time yet. And finally, um, I had connected with a publishing coach back in 2019. And he's like, you know, you've, I've been hearing about you talking about this for a long time. So I'd known him as a friend for a long time. And he's like, I've been hearing you talk about this for a long time. You know, when are you finally going to do this thing? And I really needed somebody to understand me and my message and help me get that out and put it together. And I finally got to the point where I'm like, you know, I've been doing this podcast for a long time. It has a bigger message. I want to get out there. And this is the way to get it out there. So it finally just got to the point where I met somebody unreasonable enough. Um, and being unreasonable is a good thing, by the way, uh, unreasonable enough to, to not let me go any further, not producing it, if that makes sense. I think that's really beautiful way you, you put it, right? I and mean, people who are unreasonable, and I have some, especially I have at least one person who is like that in my life, who yeah. constantly pushing me to look beyond. And uh, um, and I really appreciate the, those people in our life. And uh, I'm glad they did that for you. Well, I think when people hear the word unreasonable, they think it's a bad thing because of the connotation it's given, right? But I think most people are reasonable, right? And reasonable meaning that they find a reason why. 
oh, you know, I can't do it because, you know, the weather changed or the economy changed or this happened or that happened. Somebody that's unreasonable says, all right, I get it. How are we going to do it? Like when you're unreasonable, like you, you kind of look at those things and you're like, let's just figure it out. I think really learning to become unreasonable is actually one of the things I think I figured out through the book is really one of the biggest things that sets people at extraordinary part. Wow. That's beautiful. If you don't mind, I'll share a little bit from my unreasonable journey. Sure. Uh, right. When I, w- I was an engineer way back, maybe like about 14 years ago or so. Um, and I, I didn't know what I was going to do forward in my life. And uh, I met this person who is my coach uh, for the last uh, 14 years. Uh, so I worked with this person uh, on and off. And at that time, he looks at me and he says, I see you as a VP one day. I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> like, uh, what do you mean, right? I'm an engineer and uh, I don't see myself. But then there you go, turn around, like, you know, these 10 years, got there, been there, done that, now been a director, a VP in different companies. And and now he's like, you you have to become a CMO or CEO one day. I'm like, uh, okay, we'll think about it. <laughs> but you need it. that, right? Like, we all need that. We all need that person that doesn't see the reasons why we think we can't do something or that why something isn't possible, because if that was the case, we'd never get anything done, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, let's talk more about your book. I would love to understand what are some top three to four key life lessons you have provided? You know, it's interesting because as I mentioned, like I'm somebody that I guess in some ways I'm highly educated. I don't know. Um, And I, I think that I found from a lot of the people I've spoken to that some of the best education is actually like life experience and and the actual doing of things, right? Because you can get a lot of information and, and things and theories in school, but it's actually that application, right? It's the, that kind of gap between what you know about something and how you can apply it, which is the big difference. Mm-hmm. So the, the thing that I've really taken away is how responsible for your own education you have to be your entire life. You know, whether that's getting the right information, whether that's finding the right mentor, whether it's having the right plan, but at the same time, acting upon that information because so many times people get things and they need more information. They need more information, they need more training, they need more, another book, whatever it may be, but there's so much value in doing something and screwing it up, right? Because you learned how something didn't work, right? There's an, uh, uh, an infinite number of ways something doesn't work, right? But if, when you learn those things, you actually learn how to do something correctly, right? Like you don't become a virtuoso by just studying. You yeah. do so by continually working at it and working at it and working at it. And, you know, a, another big concept to that is the idea of passion. And I think so many people want to, you know, follow their passion, which implies they're passively going after something. Whereas the right viewpoint on it, at least in my, at least in my viewpoint, is to find your passion. Find your passion employs implies that you're working at something. You're trying a bunch of things, right? You're not waiting for it to come on your couch and find you. You are, you know, trying out a job, seeing if that job works for you. You're trying a career, seeing if it works for you, whatever it may be. But finding your passion implies that you're doing something. And I think so often. Where, where it's, I don't know, I, I, I fall into that millennial generation. I feel like my generation has this idea of like, I'm not passionate about that. So I'm just going to do nothing and get my parents to pay for it. But like when in actuality, like you only ever get good at something by doing it, life experience and all those other things. And, you know, sometimes your 20s is going to cost you a lot of money and that's fine. But, you know, hopefully it benefits you later on. So th- those are two really big things for me is, you know, finding your passion. It's an active process. And at the same time, taking responsibility for your own education. Um, but another really, really big concept as well is this idea of of leading people in the way they need to be led. And uh, w- when I had a conversation uh, with David Petraeus, he's uh, the former commander of Central of Central Command and former CIA director. 
And he talks about when he was a brand new officer, one of the first generals he worked under. And he said, when you're in the military, these guys have, they almost don't have a chest big enough to hold all the medals that they have. And there's a lot of ego you deal with. And the thing that he learned from this general is he learned to lead people where they're at. You know, some people need to be talked to one way. Some people need to talk to another way. And some people need to be, you know, see you do something before they can do it. So you have to understand where somebody's at in order to lead them, not just say, you know, I'm a big general. Here's my chest and all the pins on it. And this is why you should follow me. Like, that's not leadership. So to me, when you can imply things like that, you know, it can be a really incredible way to actually take control of your life. Three wonderful life lessons. Uh, <laughs> I really love that. And you talked about following the passion. Right? I really could resonate to that because I think the passion keeps changing it like can, every yeah. few years. And uh, you have to constantly keep learning and discovering oneself and then go after the next thing. So yeah. I, I can see how those all combine together. And as you're getting more uh, leadership opportunity in your life, how you can be a better leader by leading people the way they want to be led. Well, and, and the thing about that too is like passion in some ways, it has to be profitable too. Like, sure, you can do something you enjoy, but that's a hobby, right? Mm -hmm. And it has to in some way have a profit and in some way make money, in some way have a bigger vision. Because when you, when you look at it that way, um, there's a book by Cal Newport called So Good They Can't Ignore You. And it really kind of inspired my, my whole viewpoint on this. And Cal talks about like not following your passion, but finding something you're good at and mm -hmm. continually getting better at it and better at it and better at it. And at some point in time, it flips and you become passionate about it, right? Because you've gotten so good at something, people can't ignore you. You know, you're in this kind of area where it doesn't take you as much effort to get something done and you're going to figure out how to make a profit with it. But at the same time, if it's not profitable, it's a hobby or you're, or you're not going to be able to do it very long. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I'm going to check out that book. Uh, I do like Cal Newport as an author. Uh, oh, he's the man. Yeah. Well, uh, you did talk about some of the key life lessons you have from your book. And I did read a little bit about like, there's a lie that's told to us about success. And instead, we have to look at success a different way. Yeah. And you talk about defining our own success in our own terms. Tell us more about that. There, there's kind of this, this, this idea about success, like just read another book, just get another course, um, you know, things like that. Like, we're, the way we're told to be successful isn't quite how it works. And I think often we base our theory, our ideas on success of what other people think for us. And so many times you have to define like what you want, right? And I'll give you an example of that. Um, I absolutely love my parents. My parents are awesome. But at the same time, my parents wanted me to be a cop or a high school teacher, neither of which I would have been very happy doing. And you have to look at something for a certain point and say, what do I want to spend the rest of my life doing? Because as much as I love those people and I appreciate those people, they're not going to live this life I am, right? So it's like, you have to kind of figure out what does success look like for you? You know, what does that look like for you? And sometimes you, you'll find when you explore that, it's nothing like what you're trying to do. And that's when you have to, it's an interesting balance because I think a lot of times you'll look at it and you'll be like, you'll make other people wrong for, for wanting that thing for you. And that creates problems too. You have to kind of figure out this, this balance between, I understand that's what you want for me and I understand why you want that for me, but I want to do this. And I think when you can figure that out, you can start to explore like what that is for you because you can live a life that's basically a prisoner of a life somebody else wants for you and then one day you die. And it's kind of like, what's the point then, right? Like, why am I doing this? So you have to really take a look at what am I doing? Why do I want to do it? And at a certain point, like you have to be a little bit selfish. It has to be something you want to do because you're the one living this life, you know?
Yeah. And I completely agree with that. Uh, if we lived our life based on other people's inputs alone, uh, we can take some inputs, but not always live our life only by that. Yeah. And it's like, you talked early on about things I failed at and like kind of the importance of being okay with that. Like, I think at the same time, like society looks at this idea of like, oh, you failed at that. Like, you know, way to go. You, you're, you're a failure. And I, and I think we don't look at failure for what we can learn from it, what we can get out of it and what we attempted and maybe what we didn't do or what we did do. But I think it's, we have to take a look at often what society wants you to do and what society expects from you is going to keep you small. And you have to think bigger and outside of that box and what you really want to do and define those dreams for yourself. Excellent. Great input. And you did create your own life and you also had the podcast, Create Your Own Life. I'd love to hear some memorable moments. You talk about David Petraeus earlier. Are there any other memorable moments from your podcasting journey? I am a huge, huge baseball fan. Um, I'm a big New York Yankees fan. I know you're in the Bay Area, so I apologize if you're like a San Francisco Giants fan or maybe you don't follow baseball. I don't, I don't know. I'm a huge Yankees fan. Uh, and my favorite player uh, when he played was Nick Swisher. And he won the World Series with the Yankees in uh, 2009. He was also, well, he was drafted by a Bay Area team. He was drafted by the Oakland Athletics in 2004. And he was this guy that always just loved to play baseball. Like he always looked like he was just so grateful to be playing a kid's game and getting paid for it. And the thing that was really interesting about Nick is his dad, Steve Swisher played for the Cardinals in the seventies. And he was a first round draft pick. And he was always trying to live up to his dad being this incredible athlete. Like his dad is always good at everything. Weird thing, by the way, my neighbor went to school with Steve Swisher. Um, anyway, um, cause my neighbor read my book and he's like, no, Steve Swisher. I went to school with him, but anyway, um, Nick was this outstanding player. And a lot of times as a baseball player, you're going to get drafted by a major league organization out of high school. So his senior year comes, Nick has a great year and he doesn't get drafted. And he thinks at that point, his baseball career is over. And he has a conversation with his dad and his dad says, okay, so what are you going to do about it? And he says, well, I, I guess I could play at college and figure it out. So he had one division one college offer and that was to Ohio state university. He had such an awesome career at Ohio State University. They actually named the field after him when he graduated. He was wow. then a first-round draft pick. And um, Billy Bean, who was the, the general manager of the Oakland Athletics in 2004, actually kind of changed the way baseball is played now, and it's all based off of metrics and stuff like that. So Nick was the first draft pick of this new era of baseball, of you know all these different statistics that you couldn't really quantify years ago in, in, in sports. So it was very cool to me to kind of see somebody that had this failure, figured out what to do with it and figured out how to kind of do something bigger with it. Um, and also be one of those kind of pivotal players and kind of what changed the game. I love. That's great. That's a turnaround story too, with, uh, with Nick. Uh, so it looks like there's a pattern here and a theme <laughs> for this episode. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, it has been a pleasure to hear about your book. Are there any other tips and words of wisdom you can share for our listeners? Well, the, the thing I would say, and I think this has kind of been a theme what we've talked about here is you know, how you show up to, to one thing is how you show up to everything, right? Because it becomes your pattern. So I think very often you have to kind of, you know, give 110% and, and figure out in different things of how you can do that in every, every way of your life. Because some things are going to work out and some things aren't going to work out, but you always want to say that you gave it your best. And I think far too often, you know, we, we grew up in a world of, of it's okay to fail and participation trophies. So if you can fail and figure out what to learn from that and do something from that, then that's great. But I think at the same time, 
there has to be kind of this willingness to learn and continue to grow and approaching life that way. That's a great thought to finish the podcast with. Jeremy, it was a pleasure to have you on 10X Growth Strategies. Thank you for being with us today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. This is great.